Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about the love of God, and most uh, believers are familiar with John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Most are familiar with that scripture, can easily quote it. Uh, but it's difficult, I noticed from my own experience, for people to really receive and believe in wholeheartedly the the love of God on an experiential level. For example, um, when things go wrong, it can be very easy to blame God uh, for not intervening or for allowing that thing to happen. So even if you know scriptures like... Um, 2 Corinthians 4 4. Let me take a quick peek at that here in my uh, New King James Bible. We can take a look at scriptures like this because a lot has to do with when we talk about the love of God and the goodness of God. Uh, people have different definitions of what love and goodness are uh, when you attribute those things to God. Now we have one definition when we look at human beings. So, for example, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, oops, looks like I'm in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number um, 4. Let's start in verse number three. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose mind the God of this age, or the King James translation says the God of this world, has blinded. So the God of this world has blinded people's minds, it says, who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So uh, another scripture says the whole world lies in darkness because obviously the god of this world is a fallen being and when it uses the word god uh, it uses the lowercase g so it's not talking about a being that's on the same level of the god of gods because you know that there's only the bible says there's only one god but yet it refers in other places to uh satan as a fallen spirit as the god of this world and in other ancient books, they refer to those fallen angels um, that were known as the Watchers, who descended um, in the days of Enoch um, before the flood. It referred to them, they're referred to as gods. So they appear to be gods to a human being because the Bible says that the angels were made, or man was made a little lower than the angels. So we know there's different classes of angels, different ranks with different varying degrees of power and ability. And I don't want to get into all of that, but what I want to talk to you about is the love of God because we understand it a little bit differently. Some people blame God for the bad things that happen, and they blame God because if you're almighty, why, why can't you step in and help somebody who needs help? In other words, they look at God as a being which is just watching people's lives burn to the ground and all kinds of atrocities happen 
and but he doesn't pass judgment until much later on, what we see in the Bible. But my personal beliefs is based on the New Testament, which is the revelation of the things which were in the shadow in the Old Testament. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was the express image of God, and you don't see him <clears throat> turning anybody down who he's able to help who comes to him. Now, you see, Jesus went out, and he preached the gospel. Excuse me. I got a drink of something. <clears throat> he preached God's words. And faith came by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when people believed, then they received all of the treasures that God had for them in this lifetime and then in the life beyond. For example, the thief on the cross told the other thief to respect Jesus because those the two of them were there because of the sins they committed, but he was an innocent man. And then Jesus said to them, to this man, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus rewarded that man's faith. But then we see an example of when he came to his own hometown and it says he could do no mighty works there because of his because of their unbelief. Because they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? And it says he could do no mighty works there. It doesn't say he wouldn't. He says he couldn't. So God has a, a system set up where there are limitations that um, are placed on both sides of the equation. On the powers of darkness, because you know if there were no limitations on the power of darkness, they would just sweep in and destroy everything. And this story would end it long ago in ruin. But we also know that there's limitations on what God can do in the life of an individual because he's put before us a choice. It actually says in the Old Testament, I've set before you blessing and cursing life and death. Choose life, therefore, that both you and your seed may live. And so I believe that it's just as it says in 2 Peter 1.3 that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That the revelation of what belongs to us in Christ Jesus has been recorded in the New Testament. And everything we know to have victory in this life and life in the world to come is in there. So I believe when we come before God and you ask him, what about this and what about that? If there was some area of your life that there was a blockage in, I believe that he will refer each of us back to one or two scripture verses, which plainly say that if we do this, then we'll get that. And then we'll, we'll realize that the reason why we didn't get that was because we didn't do what the Bible said to do. And so that's why I've been for most of my adult life, so focused on learning what the Bible says about who we are in Christ, how prayer works, what can we expect God to do in the name of Jesus for us, how we can change and affect the lives of the people we love and the people around us who are in need, and all of these things um, are things that I've pursued and that I'm encouraging you to pursue for your own life, not only for your sake, but for the sake of the people connected to you. Because the Bible says that God's people perished for a lack of knowledge. 
And I don't believe it's knowledge that's outside of what we see in the Bible. Now, here's the other thing. The Bible says that if you don't have the Spirit, you are none of His. So if you believe God imparts His Spirit into your spirit, your inner man is a new creation. The old things have passed away. That's just referring to the inner man. The outward man looks the same, sounds the same. Um, you have the same memories as you did before. But something most definitely has changed on the inside. And so uh, with those things in mind, sometimes you are the the connection to God that someone else needs. I know when you struggle, and I talk a lot about going through tests and trials and overcoming, it's what I see in the Bible, and it's why it was on my heart, I believe, to name this the Faith Tested by Fire podcast and to have an accompanying website that helps people, uh, faithtestedbyfire.com, to encourage people. Because the Bible says through much tribulation, we, go, we enter the kingdom of God. So between where we are now and where we're going is much tribulation. Now, I don't mean that they have to be, everything has to be life-threatening tribulation, but I, what I mean is there are challenges. There's the cares of this world. There's the deceitfulness of riches. There's the lusts of other things. There's all the things that are mentioned in, in the Gospel of Mark. They can come in and choke God's word so that it becomes unfruitful. But at the base, at the foundation of all of this is the love of God. Because if you don't believe that God loves you, and it says in the most important thing in um, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the love chapter, now abides these three, faith, hope, and love. Or the King James Version says charity, but the greatest of these is love. And so unless you are fully persuaded that God loves you, then you're going to be wrestling with fears in different areas of your life. So some people believe that God loves them and they, they receive that love as far as eternity goes. So they're not afraid um, that they're going to be separated from God because they believe in their heart that nothing can separate them from the love of God that ensures that when they draw their last breath, they will go on to be with him. But they're not sure of the other areas because they look at, at God's love as being um, maybe not as, as, as real to them as human love is. For example, think about somebody who, who loves you in this lifetime. And if that person's already passed on, just imagine that they haven't passed on. Imagine that they're back with you again. Okay, now you know what their ability was. But all of a sudden, infuse into that individual God's ability. And think about how fearless you would be going through life. If the person who loved you most in, in your lifetime, maybe there's one or two people that you can think of. So imagine if both of them, if you will, had the power and ability of God. You would go through life fearless. Because you would know that there would be nothing that you would face that you wouldn't overcome because those that person or those people had your back. You wouldn't be afraid of any sickness or disease because the people that love you most have the power of God and all they have to do is speak a word and that disease would leave your body. You wouldn't be afraid of running out of money or not being able to afford to, to live um, because the people 
that love and care for you the most have the ability of God. They will see to it that you have a nice place to live, um, maybe not a mansion, right? And maybe you don't care for a mansion, that you would have a vehicle that you need to drive. And knowing those people, you know that they wouldn't just give you uh, a clunker that's going to be in the shop once a month. But the reason why you would have that confidence is because you believe in the love that those people have or had for you. That's what that confidence is based on. So with that in mind, you can see why Paul prayed this prayer for the Ephesian church. Because the Apostle Paul was taught the gospel by Jesus himself, by the revelation of Jesus, it says. So imagine having Jesus come to you and teach you the full gospel, everything in it, what belongs to you, what you have. He taught in the gospels, but there were things that he said before he left. You're not able to receive them yet, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead and guide you into all the truth. So what we have in the letters are the Spirit revealing some of the truths that Jesus didn't expound upon, but he expounded upon them um, pretty thoroughly. So you can see that um, Ephesians chapter 1, it says in the 15th verse, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now listen to what he prayed for the church in Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what he's praying there is that their eyes would be opened, that they would have a revelation of the Father of glory. Verse 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age or in this world, but in that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. In other words, you're connected to him the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he was praying that their eyes would be open, that they would understand. Now he goes into this same thing again in other scriptures, that you would know the love of God that passes understanding. So God wants you to know how powerful he is, how willing he is to display that power on your behalf. What your inheritance is in Christ and to have wisdom and knowledge of him. Just like, and again, I'm using um, earthly people to try and bring this home a little bit more. When you think of the people you've had the greatest relationship with, 
that relationship enabled you to know them in a deeper way. You had that relationship because they were good people and you had a knowledge of their goodness in a deeper way. And that opened up a whole nother world to you and it made life different. Those people made life different. And those people were limited people. God is unlimited. So what he's praying here is that you could know God even better than the greatest relationship that you've had here in this world, that you would be open to receive his wisdom by his spirit, his power and his might and his ability through his spirit. And when that connection is there, when you truly believe that God loves you, what can shake you here in this earth? Another scripture says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from the love of God because that love is not a human love. It's not based upon performance. Everything that belongs to us in the New Testament, the Bible says, is through the grace of God, which translates to God's unearned favor upon us. God reveals Jesus Christ to an individual, and when that person receives that and believes in that name of Jesus— as God's the only begotten son, then that opens up the treasury to everything else. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also called himself the door. So the focus is on him. And it also goes on to say <clears throat> in the letters of John that he who has the son has the father also. And so putting this all together, because I don't want you to get lost in the intellectual part of this. I want you to see the spirit behind it because the spirit behind it is that wherever you are right now, listen to my voice, God is for you. God has no limitations except the ones that you believe are there. Nothing can separate you from God's love. But if you believe that maybe your sins are separating you from the love of God and you've confessed your sins, you have to believe or take a step of faith and accept the fact that you're forgiven. Or maybe you're in a place where you have to forgive yourself because you haven't done that. The point is, is that this is the foundation for everything else. So if you don't have this, then your prayers and your faith and everything else has, there's a wall between you and God. And it's a wall that you put there, not one that God put there. It's a wall that you've allowed the enemy to insert between you and God because that's what religion does. Religion bases everything on performance. When you're born into a family, you're born into the family and everything connected with that family is yours. The Bible talks about the two sons, the one that was the prodigal and the other one that lived uh, with his father and did his father's will. And when the prodigal son came home, after he was lost, what happened? The father um, killed the fatted calf, and there was a big celebration. The other son got jealous, and he thought, you know, here I am. I've been with you all this time. I've done my best to do your will and, and to keep you happy, and you've never done any of these things for me. And the father said to him, son, you are with me always. All these things have been yours the whole time, and a lot of Believers are in that camp. Well, they're just waiting for God to do something. But you have not because you ask not. 
If there's something that you want, ask for it. People feel guilty, and but that guilt isn't from God's spirit. They feel like they should just accept what they have and live with what they have. And I'm not saying don't be grateful for things, but I'm saying that you have to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. That's one of the reasons why people don't receive something that they want from God because they don't ask for it. And then there's scriptures that imply that other people ask just because lust is what's motivating their desire for that thing. You know, and I've known a lot of good people are afraid to ask for things because they're afraid that, well, maybe they're just lusting for it or not. Well, let me tell you something. It only takes, that's, that's the voice of the accuser of the brethren, like it says in the book of Revelation. The Bible calls Satan, and when the Bible talks about Satan, it's also referring to all of the beings that are subject to him under his rule. All those fallen spirits, all those demonic spirits, when the Bible says Satan, it's talking about that entire group of beings. And they operate through condemnation. That's why the Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you are in the Spirit. It says, if so be that the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. So you can find answers to all of these accusations in the Bible. The Bible, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul says that the believers there were bewitched because they began in the Spirit, but then they were made perfect or complete by the works of the flesh, or that's what they believed. And we're facing the same devil today that they faced back then. That's why you can look through the Bible and look through where people fell short and where their problems arose and realize that it's the same devil today as it was then. He hasn't changed anything. All that's changed is the technology that we see in the, that's come to the forefront. But it's the same spirit that's been there since the beginning. But it's also the same Jesus. We have the same Jesus today. It says he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have the same Jesus to fight the same devil that they did. So take heart in that. And so I look around in my life and I... and. And I encourage you to do the same thing. And you think, well, what could be better? What should be better? Do you think if Jesus were here, that what situations do you think he would be willing to change for you? If you actually sat down with him at a table and talked about your life and he asked you, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, he asked people that all the time. What would you like? What would you say? Would you be one of those people that would be afraid to ask for anything because you think you're no good? I mean, why would he even put forth the question, what do you want me to do for you, if he didn't want to do something for you? I mean, if somebody came to you and had a blank check and they said, just tell me how much. I remember hearing about this a long time ago. Um, Frank Sinatra um, old school singer from the um, 50s and 40s, I remember that he went up to the widow of, I believe, I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Sammy Davis Jr. possibly. And he had some expenses and he just gave her a blank check and just said, write in what you want. 
I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I know he did that for somebody. It stuck with me. This was back in the 19... Gosh, I guess it'd be back in the 80s. Late 80s, maybe. Anyway, uh, you know, if, if somebody asks you for something, I know, and this is how I am. Let's say somebody invites me out to dinner. I have a habit of not ordering the most expensive thing on the menu, even if that's what I want. Okay, let me just insert this here. The person's name was George Raft. George Raft. That was the person that Frank Sinatra gave the blank check to. And uh, he said that he could write it anywhere up to a million dollars. He was having some legal problems. Okay, so it's possible if he did it that one time. Maybe he also did it for Sammy's uh, widow. Um, another time, I think he made a similar type of, of invitation to Joe Lewis, the ex-heavyweight champion of the world who had, had issues. Um, but the, the point is this. When somebody has the ability to give you something and they ask you, what, what do you do? Do you take them up on it? Do you take them up on something less because you don't want them to think less of you for uh, taking their generosity to the max? You know what I'm saying. But we're talking about God. We're not talking about a human being. When Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Are you afraid that you're going to ask for too much? And I mean, knowing the honesty of Jesus, knowing the honesty of God, that if there's an issue, they'll let you know. But again, that same scripture would hold true. You have not because you ask not. You know, and where does that belief come from? Where does the fear of asking for what you want come from when we see scriptures like asking you shall receive that your joy may be full? Hitherto or up until now you've asked for nothing in my name, asking you shall receive that your joy may be full from John's gospel. Um, Mark eleven twenty three. what things soever you desire, not what things soever I desire for you, but what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Matthew twenty one twenty one, and all things whatsoever you shall ask, whatsoever you shall ask, whatsoever you shall ask, in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So people back away from these things and they say, yes, but it has to be the will of God. Well, it was the will of God to put the word whatsoever in there. Whatsoever you desire is the will of God. It's right there, but yet people try and minimize it. Just like, what do we do by ordering the less expensive thing that we really don't want because we don't want to, we fear taking advantage of the other person's generosity. And let me tell you something. I understand taking advantage of somebody's generosity from the perspective that they have a limited amount also. They don't have unlimited funds. But just remember this, that God is unlimited. And whatever you ask for, you're not even coming close to depleting the supply or taking the part that somebody else could have gotten. Everybody can have it because the exceeding richness that is ours in Christ is to every single individual in Christ. And God doesn't make any differentiation. He says there's no male or female, bond or free, Jew or Greek. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So if he makes the offer now, and you know it's already waiting there in heaven. You don't have to even ask for it. It'll be there. But he makes you the offer now. Then why not take a step of faith? I mean, you only have so long down here, right? Why not take a step of faith and, and be honest? And not just say, 
what you think somebody else wants you to say because that's being insincere. That's not being real. That's not being truthful. And God judges the heart. Above all things, God sees your heart. He already knows that you want it. So why not take a step and finally ask for what you want? Finally be honest before God. Get that weight off your shoulders. So it all starts, and and coming back to this, I'm not going to speak for too long today, but it all comes back to the love of God. I believe that God loves me in 2017 more than I believe he loved me back in 1986 when I first believed. When I first believed, I understood it from an intellectual standpoint, but now it's hitting the heart. I want it to hit your heart also, that God loves you, and he can love you infinitely and completely and share that same infinite and complete love with every single one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. That that love is equal upon all of us. But now it's up to us as individuals to respond to it. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Again, this is Jim. Please visit the main website www.faithtestedbyfire.com Sign up for the update list there and I'll talk to you again soon.